0: everybody to why did you read that my name is megan i'm peter and we are doing our top 10 episode today
1: yeah it's like the end of the year big list time
0: best of 2021 best read in 2021
1: yeah not necessarily published in 2021 yeah because i think i could have done 10 but they i would have had to include like well this is the best because it's the worst thing that I read published this year
0: because <laughs> it's one of 10 that I read
1: <laughs> yep it made the list
0: I don't even know if I could have done 10 because I spent all of 2020 reading brand new fiction oh yeah so 2021 was my catch up on the stuff that all my backlist titles
1: it was pretty close for me I think I I had squeezed in there but uh there were some questionable <laughs> Questionable for me, which is saying something. It's yeah, not...
0: well, yeah, clowns versus <laughs> not, spiders. So.
1: Yeah, oh, clowns versus spiders. I probably would have put in the top ten, except I just talked about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it it may still be in here. Okay, we'll have to. You'll have to see. We'll
0: have to see.
1: <laughs> so we're gonna go through. Um, we're gonna go. You know, one of us will do our number ten, mm-hmm. nine, eight, seven, and then the other will do their ten, right. and we'll just go back and forth. We'll probably keep each book discussion a little shorter, just because um, the library closes at five, so we have to finish. (laughs) Yeah, and some we've talked about before, so I think those will probably be extra brief. Yeah. I can't remember who started last time.
0: We just talked about this.
1: I know, but I don't know what conclusion. You started last time. I did? So you start this time. I
0: start this time. But before I start, I Mm -hmm. have a joke.
1: Oh yeah, Dol't
0: How could you forget the joke? The best part.
1: I don't know. I was thinking about it earlier because I was like, I wonder if she'll do a joke about speed or something.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's not about speed, but it is a joke that I quite enjoyed.
1: Alright, I'm ready. You ready? Yes.
0: What do you call a magical dog? I got nothing. A labracadabrador. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know what it would be it would work if it was labra cadabra but then adding door on the end really closes the loop it's perfect yeah
0: yep i'm with you
1: Uh, okay i'm into that one
0: excellent (laughs) (laughs) on that note uh my number 10 book on my list is called the space between worlds by mckea johnson this is a sci-fi that's like a parallel universes sci-fi kind of mind-bendingly strange, so people can travel through parallel worlds, but they can only survive in the world that they go to if their doppelganger in that world has already died, you know? So there can only be one of you in that world.
1: little Highlander-y thing?
0: I guess. It's not so much not really, that, like, guess. they'll hunt you down and kill you, as that when you go into that world, it breaks reality and you both die. Okay? Okay.
1: Unless your person has already, so in this parallel, let's say there's Earth 2 and there's a Peter on Earth 2. Right. And I'm trying to think of a near-death experience I've had. Well, he ate some rotted food and just didn't make it. Yeah. So if I, then I can travel there. Yes. But if he hadn't done that and I traveled there, we would both explode.
0: Yeah, you would, you would, I'm, I'm, you know, you would go through some sort of horrible process and painful death i'm sure some
1: kind of physics body horror thing and cease to exist yeah okay
0: so our main character her name is kara and she grew up in like the wilds of this main what we would call earth one because it would be ours (laughs) i'm not sure that there's any scientific basis for calling it one sure but they've named it one
1: just for the sake (laughs) of confusion exactly earth prime
0: (laughs) exactly so um, she has become a multiverse traveler, and she's one of the most successful because out of 380 known universes, 372 of her doppelgangers have died.
1: This seems like a bad sign.
0: Yeah, her, her <laughs> doppelgangers are not that good at living. <laughs> So she can travel to 372 different universes, and um, one of her doppelgangers dies under suspicious circumstances and opens up a new world for her, so she can go to a new place. Mm-hmm. And um, she kind of stumbles on this massive political plot that puts her life in danger and the multiverse as a whole kind of at risk. Hmm.
1: I like it. Yeah. It's, it's very, very comic booky. Yeah, I think the it premise. Would a great
0: movie, too, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah trying to think who i'd want to see travel in multiple vert. Judy Greer. That's who i'm I'll casting. Watch Judy Greer do anything. Me too. <laughs> I'm like but this I think would be perfect. it would perfect. be
0: more effective having like an actiony hero.
1: Mm, okay.
0: I think Charlize Theron, like Fury Road, Charlize Theron could be
1: mm, great. That would be good. Yeah. I'd watch that. Yeah. Maybe this is the time for um Lady Gaga to break out of her you know, <laughs> acting in serious movies and do some something wild. Maybe could, it could work.
0: Okay, I'll take your word for
1: it. And then she, yeah, she I mean, have... she
0: did that jump on the Super Bowl halftime show.
1: Oh, that Spider Man thing. Stunts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I liked that. I everybody thought it was funny, but I was like, I don't know, it kind of looks like Spider Man to me. I'm in.
0: <laughs> I mean, it was kind of funny, but it was also kind of great.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's you know what that's the correct way to put it. It wasn't not funny, yeah. but it was also great. Yeah. Just because it's funny doesn't mean it's not awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> 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 All right, I like it. Um, say the title for me again
0: The Space Between Worlds. Okay. Micaiah Johnson.
1: All right. All right, I'm going with my number 10. Uh, this is a book called Tenements, Towers, and Trash by Julia Wirtz. Okay. And it's a sort of visual tour of New York City. She lived there for a long time. I don't know. She might still live there. But it's kind of interesting because it's not like um, a map or a travel guide. It's got a variety of different things. So some pages what she'll do is she looked up a bunch of historic pictures of just like an average block or something. And she'll draw what it looked like in 1960 and then what it looks like today and so there's a lot of those comparisons which is kind of interesting and but then it's she, not
0: a photograph it's art
1: it's art it's okay. all drawn yeah um and then what she'll do is she'll also there're like some historic portions but they're like weird things like uh one of the stories is kind of like how come there are a million places named rays for pizza and you know <laughs> original f- rays famous rays original famous rays
0: the the number one rays yeah the exactly real ray's.
1: And so she, that's like one of the stories, you know, it's things like that. It's okay. usually kind of goofy, fun, um, interesting things. So I really liked it. I, cause I, I'm not like the biggest armchair travel person just cause I don't think it compares to the real thing. But it's been like two years since I've gone anywhere except yeah. Scott's Bluff, Nebraska. <laughs> and, uh, also, I think this is, it's more like um, you have like a tour guide in this case, you know, and she's showing you things that she finds interesting. So it's a little bit like you're getting to know her as a person, Mm -hmm. as well as getting to know the city. And I think that's a way more interesting way to look at like an armchair travel situation is you're kind of like, you have like a traveling companion. Mm -hmm. I also just like, cause she does a lot of comics that are just kind of slice of life stuff and they very rarely have like romantic subplots um and usually these slice of life memoir comics have a lot of that so it's kind of refreshing to now and then get one where that just doesn't really come up
0: he says to the romance reader i
1: know i'm saying this to you but it's like (laughs) it's not that i'm opposed to romance it's that i'm opposed to what feels like tacked on or kind of generic romance that pops up a lot in things like uh, memoir comics, and so she avoids that entirely. But anyway, Tenements, Towers, and Trash, Um, the art is really, really good, and, you know, she provides historic reference for everything, and it's, it's cool. It's like a little scrapbook. It's kind of some, like, New York City history, but you don't have to live there or even like it. You know, if you're like Los Angeles forever, you're one of those weirdos. Then uh, weirdos, you can...
0: wow, yeah, Drawing down the gauntlet.
1: Not a fan. Not all a right. fan of the Los Angeles. In the Los An in the Coastal Wars, I'm New York City all the way. All right. Yeah, you've been called out, Los Angeles, Taking a claim. <laughs> on a on a library podcast, emitting from Colorado.
0: <laughs> We're in trouble now. <laughs> I know.
1: I know. Good thing we locked the door. (laughs) So that's my 10.
0: All right. Uh, My number nine is Blacktop Wasteland by S.A. Cosby, which we actually discussed on episode two. So anybody who wants to hear a more in-depth discussion of it, you can go to episode two, back when our sound was a lot worse because we were doing it over the phone.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those days. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But uh, just a quick rundown of what it's about. It's like a heisty crime novel. The main character is Beauregard Bug Montage, who is a former getaway driver.
1: Amazing trying to try kind of live
0: a clean life as a mechanic and a family man. But uh, financial hardship strikes, and he agrees to take part in a big diamond heist that goes really epically wrong. <laughs> terribly, <laughs> horribly wrong. So you get lots of um, action, chase scenes, double crosses, um, lots of cool stuff. And uh, it's also kind of a thoughtful character study that I think elevates it above just like action.
1: So many things about this in my wheelhouse.
0: Oh, it's real good.
1: What a like! What a classic action movie premise. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done with that life. Yeah. Come back for one Pull more job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that premise.
0: And the sequel is called Razorblade Tears, and it just came out recently.
1: Ooh, have you so read it yet? To-
0: no, I haven't. Okay. But I have a friend who read both and really, really loved Razorblade Tears. So,
1: Ooh, okay. Yeah. Promising sequel. Yeah. All right. My next one is Starting Strength Basic Barbell Training. <laughs> 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 um... <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at you, but no, that's okay. so funny. I, I hesitated to put it on the list because it's like... Basically, you're either going to be super into this book or have absolutely, you know, if you were sitting on a 12-hour plane ride and that was the only piece of material to read on the plane, you would just look at the back of the seat. (laughs) Because it is like, all right, here's what I like about it. It's very in-depth. It explains absolutely everything. And it's very simple. It's like a very simple version of strength training. And what I like about it is I think... There's a lot of fitness industry in the world that tries to make fitness a lot more complicated than it is mm-hmm. and is also based on, like, nothing because there'll be some guy who's super shredded and he's like, here's what I do. And I'm like, can, can we have somebody, like, examine your genetics real quick? Like, you know, because if you were born with, like, six-pack abs when you were two months old or whatever, I'm not real impressed, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. But anyway... It is like by far the most in-depth, it's, it. there's like 60 pages of this book and it's like a textbook size, just teaching how to do squats. So it's like way more information than you could ever want. Mm-hmm. But if you're interested in that kind of thing, it's like the best thing I've ever found on the topic.
0: Well, especially during a quarantine year when it's hard to get to the gym.
1: And that's the real beauty of it. It's it's like 600 pages long and features essentially five exercises, and uh, but they can all be done with a barbell. Okay. So this is like a very realistic version of a home gym because you can just get a barbell and some plates. You don't need like, you know, 100 different size dumbbells of different intervals and you don't need a bunch of different machines, you know, you don't need all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was cool. It was, it was in my... It was high interest for me, and I think would be high interest for uh, the term I've heard for it is meat nerds. It's like meatheads combined with nerds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not familiar with that term.
1: These are people who like to argue things like, oh, placing the barbell two inches lower on, you know, just this for the leverage and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, for meat nerds, this is like a must read. And for everyone else, this is a weird novelty that we don't need to talk about anymore.
0: <laughs> There's something to be said for a good reference title. You know, something that's got good information, well organized, clearly presented.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the, this is the... I can't remember the last book before this that I read that made me feel like I was in school. This felt like a school textbook. I mean, I bought a copy of it and I used a highlighter on it. You know, I was... <laughs> I was sitting doing this and was like, this is like taking me back to school days. Except, you know, that was actual complicated material that I would, you know, use in life. And this was like, here's how to do squats good.
0: You're using it.
1: I guess so. So far, so good.
0: You're using it more than algebra.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, that's for sure. There you go. I have made some life choices. Some good, some bad, but all resulting in not (laughs) using a lot of algebra. (laughs) I haven't solved for X in a long time.
0: All right. Well, before we both go too nerdy talking about, you know, the quality of reference materials and and working out, I think we should move on.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: All right. (laughs) Uh, My number eight title is another one that we've discussed on the podcast before. Uh, It's You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey by Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar, which we discussed in episode five, if anyone wants the full discussion. Uh, Amber Ruffin is a comedian. She has her own show, The Amber Ruffin Show. She also was on Late Night with Seth Meyers. She wrote this book with her sister, Lacey Lamar, and it's basically just like a conversation. It's them swapping anecdotes about wacky, racist things that happen to them in everyday life. Everything from Lacey having Harriet Tubman on her checks and having people think that it was a picture of herself, (laughs) to (laughs) strangers walking up and putting their whole hand in her hair and getting it stuck. So just the bizarre (laughs) things that happen to them in their everyday life, and Stuff that you wouldn't believe. It's a if you've experienced it, it's a way to to have somebody be like, Yep, yeah, me too, so you'd feel less alone. And if you haven't, it's a a little primer and like, I can't believe this stuff really happens, and I need to be sure never to do it.
1: Yeah, if I'm remembering this right too, Lacey is kind of like very nice, very unassuming. Yeah, she's you know and...
0: she's little, she's pretty, she's nice, she lives in Nebraska. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Just sort of an odd target for these sorts of mm-hmm. things you know and but somehow just they yeah, just seem to happen man. to her yeah yep, yep. Like, <laughs> yeah, everybody knows that person who it's just like weirdness just seems to follow you yep
0: and, and that seems to be like yeah <laughs> so. and i bet this would be great on audio i didn't listen to it on audio but um if they are the narrators which i think that's the only way you could do this effectively i bet it would be really funny
1: excellent yeah i like that yeah all right, my seven, uh, eight. eight, is called Sentient, Sentient by Jeff Lemire. Um, so this is basically about a group of people who live on a big spaceship. And the spaceship has, you know, some artificial intelligence. And it's like families. I, I think they're sort of like space pilgrims, you know? Um, so they're going somewhere for some reason. And along the way, uh, all of the parents die. So only the kids are left. And so the spaceship sort of takes, the artificial intelligence sort of takes on a parental role with the kids and is trying to raise and protect the kids. And then, you know, as usually happens in sci fi, that goes south in some unexpected ways. (laughs) Um, One thing I really like recommending about it, though, is. Sometimes it's hard to recommend comics because there's like so much history, you know, so you it's I understand some people feel like, well, I can't just pick up like this new Spider-Man book because this has been going for like 80 years and I don't know what's happening. So they feel like they can't just pick up and go. This is a completely self-contained story, so you don't have to know anything about anything before getting into this and you know it has a beginning middle and end and there's nothing to do after it's over so it's like a i think a great way to read a book a comic if you're like i'm not like a constant reader of comics or like the sort of history continuity is a little much for me but you just sort of want to dive into a, a good sci-fi story or a good comic
0: a starting point yeah nice
1: it's a start and an end there you go. So, which is also good because if you hate it, then you're done.
0: There's nothing, uh, nothing not good about a standalone.
1: For exactly. A like
0: that. Especially if you're not sure you're gonna like it.
1: Totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's got like a little bit of maybe like an aliens vibe or something. The movie Aliens. Yeah. Oh, I'm into that. So I think that that also gives it some some boost.
0: Yeah, that's one of my all time favorite movies. So you've it's cut pretty awesome.
1: Mention. Are you Aliens or Team Alien?
0: I like them both for different reasons. Yeah. Alien is claustrophobic horror. Aliens is sci-fi action. Yeah. And they're both great in their own way.
1: I think I like Aliens. I prefer it. If I had to pick one. I
0: will choose to watch it more often than Alien. Yeah. I will say that. It's just. just, more fun.
1: It is way more fun. Yeah. It's, you know, that's definitely the 12-year-old boy in me. Mm. Who's like, I had like Aliens action figures. Because at this t- for some reason, somebody in the 90s was like, should we make action figures out of like hard R movies, you know, with like violence and whatever? And everyone's like, yeah, it seems reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> so therefore, I had Aliens action
0: figures. Well, I have a Funko of Ripley with Jonesy, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go.
1: The famous cat. Yep. Appears in both.
0: Yeah, it's true. All right. Number seven. For me is and I wanted this to be higher, but you know, it's so hard, it's so arbitrary is where you put this on the list. So for me it's number seven, but it's great. It's called Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse. So this is an epic fantasy, but it changes the so you know how like epic fantasies are traditionally kind of generically European? Yes. You know, yeah. like meadows and mountains and like Lord of the Rings and people all
1: people running stuff. from opposite sides of a field exactly. surrounded by sure. cliffs. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I, when I picture fantasy, if I had to do one image, it's like two groups running towards each other, Braveheart style. Okay. But then there's like orcs Ah. and stuff and like Mm -hmm. a battle elephant or something. The
0: villages are all like cottages. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It does seem, I guess it does seem like Europe. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this um, switches that up and puts it in a pre-Columbian Americas setting. Hmm. which is something I'd never read before a fantasy set in that time or place. So I was pretty excited about it and it did not disappoint. It's kind of a dual storyline. So you have one story uh, that follows the sun priest Nara, who is preparing to celebrate the winter solstice. She lives in the Holy City of Tova and they kind of are the political and religious power of their civilization. The second um, storyline is it follows Serapio, who was a child of a follower of the crow god. So his mother was a follower of the crow god. His father, I don't think, was, but his mother, before she committed suicide, sewed his eyes shut so that he would be a fitting vessel for the crow god. So his <laughs> destiny is to become a living vessel for the the recoming of the crow god. Okay. So he is um going to Tova where the sun priest is to basically reincarnate the crow God. He's on his like final journey to get there and, and live out his destiny. And he is being transported by a ship's captain named Siala who can sing the seas. So like she can calm the seas by singing or like have call up a current, you know, to, to move them along. Um, she's like a, of a race that has this ability And she's being paid to take him to Tova during the most dangerous sailing season when nobody sails because she is who she is. Mm. It's still a risk. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they are on their way to Tova so that he can fulfill his destiny. And the sequel just recently or is soon coming out and I'm really excited to read it.
1: Sounds good. Yeah. It's
0: it's weird. I mean, it's not weird. It's very fantasy. It's like huge sweeping story on an epic scale, gods and, you know, men and good versus evil and nothing is as it appears. And it's good stuff.
1: I like that it sounds sort of, uh, you know, my main complaint about fantasy is usually it seems like you've got sort of the same stock of character, you know, types or like, I don't know, I guess races, yeah. species,
0: elves, orcs dragons is
1: like an elf and an orc a different race or a different species well or is that
0: i think it depends on on whose story you're reading good point but my understanding is that orcs are elves that have been corrupted
1: oh okay or anyway. like as
0: a race they were elves and became corrupted oh okay i'm not i mean don't quote me on that i'm far from an expert but that's my understanding
1: oh orcs man yeah but anyway there's it seems like they like They pick from the bag, but everyone's picking from the same bag of like 10 options. And it's like, there's so, you could just make up anything. You could make up some captain of the seas lady who can control the ocean. Yeah. Come on. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's a whole new setting. Like this kind of pre-Columbian Americas thing you get, it looks different. Yeah, You know, it's not the same environment. It's not the same people. It's, it's very different. And I find that exciting. Nice. Yeah. I like it. Yeah.
1: All right. My next one is one that I talked about before. It's 10 arguments for deleting your social media accounts right now by Jaron Lanier, L-A-N-I-E-R. I talked about it quite a bit in an earlier episode. I think that um, I would just recommend it if you if you have problems with social media or you see problems with it or you're curious about it. Because he's... Um, He's like a tech insider. I mean, he's worked for a lot of big tech companies and knows how social media works and why it does the things it does. So I think it, it dispels a lot of, you know, rumors in some ways, because I think a big rumor is that social media intentionally shows you things that will make you angry. But the truth is that it's social media will show you things that you're likely to engage with. Yeah. And it happens that humans are predisposed to (laughs) engage with things that make them angry. Mm -hmm. But I think that the utility of it to me is that um, knowing that you can sort of change your behavior on social media. And I uh, recently have become an advocate of kind of knowing how it works. And because I think that... If you want social media to change, I think the most direct way to do that is to change the way you use it and to change your behavior. I think if we try and like wait for election cycles and get politicians to do it, I think we're in for a very long wait. And you can change the landscape, at least for yourself, mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, um, And I think this would be a good guide to doing that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can say that I've seen it work because I uh, have kind of tried to not engage with negativity online as much as possible, and my Twitter experience has gotten significantly better.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it really really does change it. It's kind of odd, but, you know, it's like a a new thing. It's a new tech. I think I heard someone talking about it, and they said, like, well, you know, we have, like – neanderthal brain instincts mm-hmm. and super super advanced technology and so it's like no wonder this is causing us a problem
0: handing a baby a submachine gun
1: exactly yeah it's like huh that didn't go how i'd hoped and didn't really go how the baby didn't really do what it wanted to Yeah.
0: nothing about it worked
1: nothing about it was good so anyway it's it's a good book i think it's very thoughtful. It's not just like bashing social media, but it explains why it works the way it does and how it functions. Okay. And I think leaves it very open to you to make your own choices.
0: All right. Excellent. Number six uh, for me is Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade. So that's the title. Okay. I'm not warning you. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs>
1: The title is a spoiler? That's an odd uh, no, way to make a the book. The title
0: is. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my first romance novel on the list, uh, not the last. It follows the main character, April Whittier, who is a scientist, and she's also a fangirl. So she's a fan of a book series called Gods of the Gates that has been adapted into a TV show. If you imagine like a huge cultural phenomenon like uh, Game of Thrones... You'll have an idea of what kind of show this is. I'm pretty sure that this was actually written with Game of Thrones in mind. Not positive about that, but I think so. So she's, um, in addition to her day job being a scientist, I think she's a geologist. uh, She's also a fan fiction writer, and she does cosplay at conventions.
1: She's a busy person.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And the, the fan fiction and the cosplay is something that she's always kind of kept separate from her professional life. And uh, she goes to a convention and she's dressed up as her favorite character, Lavinia, uh, but she's like a plus size version of Lavinia. And she thought her costume turned out great. And she decides she's not going to hide this part of her life anymore. So she posts a picture of herself on Instagram. And then the trolls come out. Mm. <laughs> so, it, you know, so she gets um, some attacks and some negative comments and some trolling. And it's not going super well for her, which is unfortunate, but also feels very real. Uh, and then you have the sec- the the book's hero, the second character is Marcus Castor Rupp, who is actually a star of the TV show for this Gods of uh, Gods of the Gates, and he plays Lavinia's love interest on the show, and the the name of the character is Aeneas. So this is you can tell this is more like a Greek version of things. He's also um, a hugely popular anonymous fan fiction writer known as Book Aeneas Would Never. Um, and so if he, if the show ever found out he was doing this, he's like retconning mistakes he thinks the show is making. Okay. So he he's could get fired.
1: writing fan fiction for the show he's in. Yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. He thinks that the show is making some big mistakes in his storytelling. <laughs> and so he's writing his own fan fiction, how he would do it if he was in charge. Gotcha. Right. <laughs> okay. So he sees April's cosplay on the internet and he sees the response to it and he doesn't like it. So he impulsively asks her out to dinner. And she, once she's convinced that it's actually him, she says, (laughs) sure, fine. Like, let's make a point. Let's go to dinner. And the the date turns out to be a horrible disaster, but he actually really likes her and he wants to keep seeing her. But there's a twist. It turns out that Marcus and April have anonymously been fan fiction friends for years. They've been in the same Uh... fan fiction writing community. They've been flirting together for years and neither one of them knows who the other is and when marcus figures it out that he uh, he does know her he's in in this position where he can't tell her that it's him because he could lose his whole career right yeah
1: interesting yeah so like a little bit like geek culture meets you've got mail mm-hmm. meets game of thrones yeah
0: <laughs> the whole like comic-con kind of community
1: yeah yeah that's interesting it's so I like good that. That would be, yeah, that sounds like a pretty solid rom-com type premise. Yeah,
0: I think so. If you're looking to get into like rom-coms and like a really nice feel-good romance yeah. that still has like it deals with fat phobia and it deals with the toxic stuff that goes with fame and it goes, you know, the stigma that comes along with like fan life and all of that stuff. So it has stuff in there that's very real, but it's still like a very feel-good right warm and hot book
1: <laughs> nice yeah nice yeah i like that i like i like that this uh the rom-com is like still alive in books oh yeah i don't know how alive it is in movies right now but
0: i think people are trying
1: yeah it seems like occasionally we watched one that like last year with ali wong in it yeah that one was pretty good
0: that one was good i enjoyed that
1: all right my next book number is six Number six. (laughs) Um, My next two books are actually not available at High Plains Library District. One of the things we're trying to do is encourage people to use Prospector and Interlibrary Loan and to also suggest titles. Yes. So the next two books I have, you're going to have to do that if you want to get a hold of them. Uh, This one is called Nudes by L. Nash. It's a book of short stories. Basically, and um, she wrote a book called Animals Eat Each Other, and we do have that book, Um, so you can kind of get a little bit of a feel for her style and stuff, but it's, um, short stories are hard to recommend, because you can't tell as much about them without ruining everything, but these are, like, short stories that are very, they feel very modern. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of them have to do with, like... The sort of online world intersecting and the world of like, uh, especially sort of adult taboo things and young people kind of going through those things. Mm-hmm. So, like, the taboos and stuff feel very modern. They don't, it's not like, um, you know, something that would be transgressive from the 1990s, probably. Showing an ankle. Yeah. Wouldn't feel so transgressive. This book does feel very transgressive, but not without giving you that feeling of like being edgy for the sake of being edgy. All the stories are, you know, they have an edge to them, but they also have like a really solid emotional core. And you can, um, I think it makes the emotion of it feel even stronger because you kind of have to go through this ugliness to get to it or you have to go through this uncomfortable feeling or sometimes you'll be in the story and just like having a really hard time connecting with a character but then by the end you connect very strongly and it feels even deeper because you were so sort of repulsed before Mm -hmm. so I think it's like I just like the book because it feels like a series of journeys of connecting with these different characters and you keep wondering if she's going to pull it off, mm-hmm. where you will actually like the story or like something or feel something. And she does. And I think that's magical. <laughs> I don't Hello, know if that's Peter. the right word, but <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was a very uh, good feeling. Nice. So that, that's one of mine. That's okay. my number six.
0: Number six. Yes.
1: I didn't number these. I did. I meant to. I and gotcha. then. You know, you, you do the Microsoft Word number these for me, yeah. but I would already divided them into paragraphs. And then I was like, oh, forget it.
0: Well, mine was bulleted, and th- but then I had it one through 10. So then I reversed it and put it 10 to one. And then I had to go through and put the numbers in <laughs> so that I knew which one was actually one and which one was actually 10.
1: It was, it's always been my frustration that like I know what I want Microsoft Word to do. Yeah. And I'm like, I wish this was intelligent enough for me to say. In plain language, just yes. say computer.
0: Number right now, descending order.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it would be like okay, and then it would just do it.
0: Wouldn't that be nice?
1: Yeah, but yeah. it doesn't.
0: Yeah, but then we end up with the Terminator.
1: I know. It, we just need to stop at some point where I'm like, computer, why are you indenting this thing that I don't want indented? Stop doing that. Somewhere between there and machine that goes into the past to kill humanity, there's gotta be. <laughs> There's oh. gotta be a stop on that slippery slope.
0: <laughs> it does feel like there's quite a lot of distance between those two points. I
1: mean, one seems very reasonable. The other, you know, has Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. Yep.
0: Yeah. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number five. We're in the top half.
1: It's very exciting. Dun, dun, dun. This is when it starts to get really intense.
0: Yeah. These are these are the well, they're all really good. I'm actually really excited about all of my 10. So, uh, My number five is A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik, which is the one that we discussed before in episode five. Uh, it's the first book in the Scholomance series. I actually really liked the second book in this series as well, but it just would not make sense to start there. So we're doing mm. book number one. The story is, uh, it follows a character named Galadriel. Her mom is a, kind of a hippie. Uh, she goes by L because she is definitely not she has a natural affinity for dark world ending magic she's a student at a magical school where the expectation is that a significant number of the students will die before graduation killed by the school or by their studies <laughs> she's kind of uh, shunned a little bit because she half on purpose she doesn't want friends and half just because she she has a sense about her you know she's dark dark magic and people I think get that feeling and her exact opposite is another student named Orion who seems to be natural kind of life-saving hero and he's the only one who doesn't shun her who seems kind of intrigued by her so the goal for the students in this school is to make strategic alliances to learn as much as they can and to survive the school until graduation so there's lots of cool magic stuff if you liked Harry Potter, but you're looking for something with a little more of a grown-up edge. Mm. I think this is a good one. And the first two books in the series are out now. Nice. Yeah.
1: That sounds familiar. I like with the grown-up edge. It's funny. Um, My partner was just watching Harry Potter mm-hmm. when I left the house. And I was thinking, like, you know, it's funny in these because, like, oftentimes Harry and his friends are in, like, mortal peril. Yeah. And it's kind of Willy Wonka-ish, because the adults just seem sort of nonchalant about it most yeah. of the time. <laughs> they're like, well, he went to this, like, magic teleportation chimney and said the wrong thing. I don't know where he is. <laughs> but they're like... Eh, just he'll hoping it'll work yeah, out. Yeah, he'll figure it out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I will say that the adults in this book are well aware that the chances for death are high in this magical school. But the reason they send all their children there is because they're actually significantly lower than if they left them in the main world. Because their magic that they have, like, it attracts monsters.
1: So they're already somewhat doomed. Yes. (laughs) They just could be slightly less doomed. Yeah.
0: The school at least can (laughs) teach them how to protect themselves and limit the number of monsters that can get at them because they're in this, like, magical tower building. Gotcha. Yeah. I like it. It's real good. A lot of fun. Super fast read.
1: All right, this is my five. Five. Uh, this is the other one that you'll have to work a little harder for, but it's worth it. It's called "The Paradox Twins" by Joshua Chaplinsky. Um, so it's be- it's based on this uh hypothetical paradox, which is um the premise of the story is these two boys grow up; they're twins; they're like identical twins. They grow up, they kind of become estranged and don't see each other for several years. And they come back together for their father's funeral and they look nothing alike. So they discover that somehow they've just completely changed. And, you know, both twins are like, you don't remember how I, re- I remember you looking like me. And the other one's like, I remember you looking like me. And they're trying to figure out what's going on. So then the story kind of Goes into them looking through their father's effects for various reasons. And it's um, like an epistolary book. So it's told mostly in like letters and, you know, documents and things like that, which um, sometimes I think people mess with the structure of a book and it's like showy and kind of like, look what I did. I'm so clever. <laughs> There's this book uh, called The Interrogative Case by Paget Powell, where every sentence is a question. Mm -hmm. and it i hate it yeah i just hate it because i'm like this is not cool like this is annoying
0: did you read P*? no i thought that one was great uh it's a book where the uh as letters fall off of a sign in this town they stop appearing in the book like people (sighs) take it as a sign and they say they can't use those letters anymore so they disappear from the book as well Ah. but it works i thought
1: Yeah, and that's like how this one is, where it's documents and stuff, but it works. Mm -hmm. Like, it makes sense with the type of story that they're telling, and it's not obnoxious. Yeah. You know, it takes a minute to get used to it, but then once you get used to it, you get really into it. Yeah. And it feels, um, I think it feels more like as the reader that you're like a participant in the story, because you're getting the information the same way the characters are. Right. And I really love that. Yeah, that's a winner for me.
0: I love an epistolary book. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's pretty cool. I like it. Yeah. It's kind of an under-the-radar entry into that, but I think it's a really good one that more people should check out.
0: Excellent. All right. On to number four. My number four is You Had Me at Hola by Alexis Daria, which is another one of my romance novels. So the main character is Jasmine Lynn Rodriguez. She's an actress. She's a soap opera star. And her latest breakup, she was dating, I think, a musician. And it's landed her like on the tabloids. She's on the front page of the tabloids. So she's set to star in a bilingual rom-com for a streaming service. So think Netflix, like a a new hot Netflix property. And uh, she's really hoping that this is going to be the thing that will launch her career out of like soap opera level and into leading lady status. Cause that's what her ultimate goal is. Then you have uh, Ashton Suarez, who's like this iconic telenovela star. And he has a closely guarded personal secret that becomes very important to the plot. <laughs> um, and his character is killed off on the telenovela that he's on. So he is all of a sudden free and uh he's certain that this is a sign that his career is ending because he's been a, this telenovela star forever and now he's just been summarily like, written who off who of
1: am cast. i so, now i don't even know
0: exactly <laughs> so this um like netflix style streaming show last minute grabs him and puts him on the cast so he sees that as a chance to like salvage his career so both of these characters have an awful lot riding on this on this role Jasmine um, can't really speak Spanish. She's not fluent in Spanish, although her family is largely Spanish speaking. It's just one of those things where her immigrant family did not pass the language to her. So she can speak it with a decent accent, but it requires a lot of practice. So she and Ashton decide that they're going to rehearse off screen so that they're both the best that they can be and save mm-hmm. their careers. But um, they discover they have a lot of chemistry off the off screen as well as on screen. But she has this like personal scandal thing still happening. Paparazzi are interested in her and it could threaten to expose Ashton's most important secret, Uh, which I'm not going to spoil. Fair enough. Yeah.
1: That sounds pretty, pretty solid.
0: It's really, really great. I would love to see this made into a movie. Honestly, I think it has a lot of potential. It's. Super emotional, and it, t- it talks a lot about, like, intimacy in a way that I thought was I haven't seen before in a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it talks about there's an intimacy coordinator on the show who – and it's an, I guess it's an actual job. And I think that everybody who has to do a love scene should have this because they basically block out the whole scene before it's, like, someone's going to put their hand here you know and are who's comfortable with what and so that there are mm. no surprises everyone's comfortable everyone feels safe right and i thought it was a great way to talk about consent and intimacy and trust it was really great
1: intimacy coordinator sounds like a euphemistic term for like a madam <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> it really could be uh let's see i see on your resume <laughs> explain. Yeah. <laughs> this could go one of two ways. <laughs> I like that.
0: Yeah, it was really really wonderful. One of the best romances I read all year long. Very cool. And I read a lot of good ones.
1: As we could tell. Yes. From your list.
0: I have more left.
1: All right. 4? Four? 4. Uh my number 4 is It Came from Ohio by RL Stein.
0: It Came from Ohio! Screams. <laughs>
1: You of course know R. L. Stein as the writer of Goosebumps, Fear Street, Fear Street uh, The Beast, <laughs> um others. Yep. So this is kind of his like autobiography, I guess, or memoir. It's it's really short. I think it's probably intended for kind of a younger audience, certainly for younger than me. Okay. Um, but it's I thought it was really fun. Um, he's very self-deprecating, you know, and is uh presents himself, I think, accurately as having been sort of a lifelong goofball. Okay. And like entertaining other people was always sort of his priority. And you know, you can so you can see how his career developed, but I think what's nice about it, I don't read like a ton of books that are probably for like super young people. Mm-hmm. But I think this would be a really, really great book for a kid who's maybe like 12 or something like that. Because I think for a lot of kids, there's this point in your life where you have this epiphany and you're like, wait a minute. When I watch a TV show, somebody wrote all the stuff someone is saying. And somebody is like making the camera move around and like people actually make these things that I enjoy. You know, it's not like Goosebumps books just magically manifest in the swamp and you, like, go on a treasure hunt and find them in a Pull tree hollow. Tree. Yeah. <laughs> like, And I think this would be kind of a nice uh, nudge in that direction. And sometimes I think, like, oh, maybe, like, kids, you know, young people, whatever, would be motivated to, like, make some of these things for themselves and, like, try out some of these fun, creative careers and stuff if they realized like oh that's an option
0: yeah inspire a new generation of writers
1: yeah yeah and definitely you know like where he came from and how he grew up like in Ohio and this was you know not during the uh boomingest times and stuff so I think the idea of having a career as a writer is kind of a oh you'll never make money doing that like whatever and um but you know he's made a great living doing it and Made a lot of people very happy. Yeah. So it was it was a nice read. And my favorite fun fact from it is that he still types with two fingers, <laughs> which is unbelievable because his output is, yeah. like, unmatchable.
0: I mean, we've got to have, like, whole entire shelves dedicated to Goosebumps books.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's basically – I looked online, and there's really no good accounting of his entire bibliography because it's just so massive. But – uh to think that he did that all with two fingers, which now must be 30% shorter than they were because they're just worn down at this uh, point. I'm sure you could see the tip of his finger bone through.
0: <laughs> like, I mean, at the very least, he has got to have worn away his fingerprints.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. So anyway, um, entertaining, really, really good. Like if you're in this sort of gifting mood right now and you're looking for something to give like a 10 or 12 year old or something i think it would be a potential hit
0: excellent all right number three so my number three is a romance novel (laughs) (laughs) it is take a hint danny brown by talia hibbert it is the second in the brown sisters trilogy but you can read it on its own if you want Um, the whole trilogy is amazing but you can read them individually it doesn't really matter so the main character, Danica Brown, is a career-minded Ph.D. student, kind of no-nonsense. She doesn't do relationships, just friends with benefits arrangements. You know, she's not looking to be tied down. None of that. Then you have the hero, Zafira Ansari, who is an ex-pro-rugby player, who is now working as a security guard at the college where Danny is a Ph.D. student. And he's also an incurable romantic, he listens to romance novels on his earbuds, and there's this great scene where somebody unplugs his uh, his headphones, and it oh, starts playing yeah. the horror. <laughs> yeah, and it's all, of course, at a particularly spicy scene.
1: Somebody in this room may have once been on a treadmill, and that happened. And what was playing very loudly was "Wrecking Ball" by Miley Cyrus. <laughs> We don't need to specify who it was.
0: Okay, well, we'll leave it a mystery. <laughs> but
1: one of us may have had this experience.
0: <laughs> it is it is an unwritten rule that if your headphones start playing into the room, it will be at something that will Oh, for you.
1: sure. It's not going to be some awesome metal song that everyone's like, "Wow, Slayer." Okay. Yeah.
0: Or, "Ooh, what what an interesting, you know, eclectic musical taste you have." Yeah,
1: no. And it's not going to be either. It's not going to be like Uh, Beyonce, that works. That Mm -hmm. makes sense. Everybody's listening to that right now. It's going to be, you're going to be walking on sunshine or something.
0: Yep. (laughs) All right. So you've got these two characters and there is a fire drill at the building where they both happen to be. And uh, it it goes wrong and uh, Zaph ends up carrying Danny out of the building and somebody takes a video of it and it goes viral. So it turns out that Zaff has, uh, like, a children's charity, and he, his, his, either his little sister or his niece, I can't remember who she is, is like, you should really use this to publicize your charity, because mm. nobody knows it exists. So he convinces Danny, and they are going to do a fake relationship to kind of help his children's charity, because she's like, what kind of a jerk says no to that?
1: Yeah, that is a... Uh... That is a hard no. Yeah. So
0: they they, <laughs> they have a fake relationship. They pretend to be dating, and it slowly develops into something real and probably a little more real than Danny would prefer.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Okay.
0: But yeah, Tally like Hibbert it. is an up-and-coming romance writer. She was indie, and she's been picked up by mainstream. She's amazing. I have loved everything she's ever written. So.
1: I like this setup because it's uh... – You know, sometimes, like, the thing that forces them together is kind of, like, a questionable reason.
0: Yeah, we call that romance reasons.
1: Yeah, (laughs) romance reasons. And this one is one where you're, like, you know, even if it was someone I didn't really like, if I was unattached and they were, like, this could help millions of children, I'm, like, well, what am I?
0: Yeah.
1: I have the choice of doing something that's, like, a little little disingenuous versus, you know, being history's greatest monster, right. like,
0: <laughs> who cares about your kids? <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, there's like some you know kid with burns over fifty percent of your body, and you're <laughs> like, I mean, I would have had to hold hands with this person that I'm not yeah. genuinely in love with, Get not repulsed by. Just, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number three. Number
0: three.
1: This is a book called Afterlift by Chip Zdarsky. Uh this is a comic. This is also like a self-contained one one shot beginning to end. Um basically it's a woman who's driving like a hired car, like a lift and uh picks up this uh pair and it's a man and a woman and it turns out that the woman is dead mm-hmm. and the man it but you know she's like animated. animated. Yeah. And the man is like a sort of some figure involved with the afterlife. And so he needs the driver to give them a ride so they can basically go into the afterlife. Okay. And yeah, the driver's like, all right. (laughs) Cause (laughs) what do you say? So she starts driving them, but then there ends up being some other sort of afterlife factions who are trying to claim this dead woman. And then, you know, things are not exactly as they appear and the driver starts having doubts about whether or not she's doing the right thing and whether or not she has a choice and whether or not anything she can do can help this person who's hmm. kind of doomed. And it goes from there. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's very fast paced. Um, it's pretty funny. There's some pretty funny jokes because some of these other you know, afterlife people like demons or whatever and appear in these very um traditional ways and stuff and you know the other demons make fun of them because they're like oh get with the times like (laughs) (laughs) um so there's some jokes and it's it's like a book where uh, a good person does a good thing but you know it's not overly after school special about it
0: okay that sounds interesting yeah it's good yeah sounds like something i might actually
1: super quick read too Excellent. probably like a half hour
0: i like a fast read yeah. especially the end of the year when i want to feel like i've read more
1: yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah if you want to boost that number yeah pad up at the end of the year this is a great way to go
0: <laughs> it's been a rough reading year for me so i need that <laughs> all right number two we're getting there
1: da, da, da.
0: uh my number two choice is in that endlessness our end by gemma Files which we discussed on episode nine, which is pretty recent. So I'm not going to go into too much detail. Um, it's a collection of horror short stories. The author won the, this is horror award in 2018. So she is seems to be like up and coming and they were just strong stories across the board. There are different varieties of horror. There's body horror. There's just kind of creepy and unsettling. There's that cosmic um, stuff. There's haunted house. There's witches. It's And they all just were pretty effective. I think there was a one story that didn't completely wow me. And out of a collection of, I think, like a dozen or more, I think that's pretty impressive. That's
1: a pretty good batting average.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah very, very creepy. Very unsettling. If you like horror, um, I think she's definitely someone you should read.
1: Yeah, I think I just saw she has a new book coming out.
0: Oh, I don't that know. Maybe,
1: Maybe that wasn't you. I thought someone put it on Goodreads. Oh,
0: this is, that is, I did add that to my reading list, but it is the the book she won the this is horror, horror uh, okay.
1: for in 2018.
0: Prior. a so previous collection.
1: Gotcha. Excellent. Yeah, that one's on my list. Yeah. But I haven't got to it yet. That's the one, right, where there's a story about, like. People sort of split into two. Yes. Like a clone of they themselves. They spawn their
0: own like doppelganger and then fight to the death.
1: Yeah. Yep. Immediately start fighting each other. That's
0: the one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. I'm in.
0: Yeah. It's really, really good. If you're a horror reader, you should definitely be checking her out.
1: All right. Number two.
0: Number
1: two. Uh, is called Stillwater and is also by Chip Zdarsky. Oh. Who did Afterlift. So this is about a small town. And the residents of this town discover that as long as they stay within the town's borders, they never age, they never die, and if they get sick or injured or something, like even severely injured, they recover, like completely and really quickly.
0: So if they lose a limb?
1: It'll grow back. All right. Like, you know, overnight. Wow. Yeah. So they decide what's best, you know, immediately is they're like, all right, let's just sort of... Stay closed off. We'll keep it a secret. Probably no one will find out because no one's coming here. And even if people pass through...
0: It looks normal.
1: Yeah, they won't know that, you know, I've looked the same age for 40 years. Right. But then um, the story really picks up a couple decades after this has started and starts addressing some of the problems that come along with this. Because, you know, it's like a... Whenever someone finds a genie and wishes for something, and then it's like they never actually get what yeah, they envisioned.
0: The monkey's paw situation.
1: I've always sworn that if I ever became a genie somehow, I'd be like the world's first genie who gave people exactly what they wanted. <laughs> and be like, I think, I know other genies think it's cute to like <laughs> mess with you and right. pretend they don't know, you know, but I know. I know what you mean. I know that when you say oh. you want to live forever, that doesn't mean... Uh, You know, as like a... A
0: decrepit corpse. Exactly.
1: (laughs) That cannot (laughs) die. (laughs) So anyway, some of the problems are, for example, when they have like a legal trouble, what do they do with people? Because if you are immortal, putting you, you know, in the jail doesn't really do a whole lot. And also they can't just have everybody in the jail and they can't like send people to a... Larger facilities somewhere else. Right. Children don't actually age. I was
0: going to ask, like, can they have children? And if so, what happens to them?
1: They can't have new children, but the children who were alive when this was noticed or whatever um, are still, appear to be children. Oof. But they have, like, the intelligence of adults. That would
0: be terrible.
1: It's weird. And so that causes some problems. You know, other... Other weird things start happening. And so there kind of starts to be friction because some people think that the way the town is running cannot continue. Some people feel like it should continue. Some people are, you know, whatever. So that's kind of where this picks up okay. is like when all the, the conflict starts. So that's what's good about it is um, there's not a whole ton of preamble to get to the good stuff. Mm-hmm. You kind of get thrown into the action pretty fast. And then pretty quickly start to figure out, like, oh, maybe this isn't so awesome. And then uh, things escalate from there.
0: Okay. All right. Excellent. Well, you had two chipped Zdarskis. Yeah. I have two Talia Hibberts.
1: Makes sense.
0: <laughs> so my number one pick for the year is Actor Age Eve Brown by Talia Hibbert which we discussed in episode three. So I'm not going to go too deep into it. It's the third and final book in the Brown Sisters trilogy. um, But again, can be read on its own. Although I would emphatically encourage everyone to read all three. All three were wonderful. I gave five stars on Goodreads to all three.
1: I was kind of hoping you'd say the first two are trash. So I'm going with three.
0: They're so good. (laughs) I love her. (laughs) So um the main character is eve brown she's a certified hot mess uh she's looking for direction in her life so she comes from a rich family she hasn't really had to do much um she's kind of flitted around from thing to thing i'm going to be a businesswoman i'm going to be an artist i'm going to go to you know to whatever kind of school i'm going to become this i'm going to become that and nothing ever sticks and her family is like you got to figure something out so we're going to cut off your you know your trust fund until you kind of sort yourself out. (laughs) And uh, the hero is Jacob Wayne, who's an autistic bed and breakfast owner. Um, He loves control. uh, And he is aware that he cannot like do the cooking for this place. So he's looking for a cook. I think I remember where
1: this is going.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She happens to wander in. They immediately kind of butt heads um, she says, I'll apply for the job and he gives her like an interview, but it's very apparent he has no intention of ever even giving her the <laughs> chance to work there. Uh, it all results in her accidentally hitting him with her car, hitting him with her car and breaking his arm. That's the part I remember. Yep. So she has to stay there. Um, she feels she has to stay there and help him with like cleaning the rooms and doing the cooking because he can't use one arm. Um, super funny. Super spicy emotional story. It's a lot about like feeling that lack of direction in your life and also feeling like your family's really judging you for being who you are and um feeling a little lost yourself and not feeling supported and feeling different and finding someone who comes to understand you and it's funny and it's just wonderful. It was my favorite read of the year.
1: you know, I think um there's so much talk about like spoiling and stuff like that. I feel like if I read this book, though, knowing that she was going to hit him with her car, <laughs> it would be more enjoyable. Well, because it's I, close
0: <laughs> to the beginning, so it really doesn't spoil much. And you can wait for it. You can be like, is this when it happens? Yeah,
1: I think I'd be excited. And like, you know, when he's giving her this kind of, uh, you know, fake interview and mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm like, oh, you're about to get your comeuppance. Yep. <laughs>
0: like, well, and there's another great scene where she like falls into the fish pond and like. So there's lots of like great slapstick physical comedy that you see in the really good rom coms, and but good emotional depth and different kind of characters. She tends to write, um, black characters. She tends to write autistic characters. She is, I believe, either autistic or Asperger's. The author, um, and characters like fat characters. So they're lots of different kinds of people in her books and they all get their happily ever after and they're all treated with dignity, but not like too seriously. Like they, you can poke fun at everybody and they no are an absolute delight.
1: No one's above falling into a fish pond. <laughs> okay, everyone can get in my car. <laughs> yeah. It could happen to anybody. <laughs> I love it.
0: She is wonderful. I love everything she writes, and this, those just happen to be the two that I read from her this year, and I loved them both a lot.
1: Excellent. All right, my number one. Ooh, here we go. Uh, my number one is titled "Sex Castle," <laughs> and it's by a guy named <laughs> Kyle Starks. Now, Kyle Starks does comics. You know, he's like a writer and illustrator. And he makes the stupidest titles for his books. Because when you hear, it's all one word, Sex Castle. And when you see that title, you're like, what? Um,
0: I have to confess, this yeah. is on my reading list.
1: Oh, it's so good. <laughs> um, he did one, another one more recently called Old Head. And it's about, it. the title makes sense when you read the story. And also, I didn't know this, but Old Head is kind of a term for like a... Um, an athlete who stays in the game past when they really should. Um, So anyway, but like the title, you know, it's a book about like a vampire hunter and stuff. And it like, no old head. Okay. And I'm like, how would you ever get that from this title? Yeah. Sex castle is about, uh, it's kind of like if you made a comic um, and it's an original sort of, combination of like an 80s Kurt Russell action movie and commando and you know, basically every every weird action movie trope, including nunchucks that shoot bullets <laughs> straight out of the movie Night of the, Kick <laughs> the
0: Kickfighters.
1: not not a well-known movie for good reason, but does have a great sequence where a guy, you know, is like flinging around nunchucks and then shoots bullets out of the bottom of them. Cause, cause why not? Like,
0: <laughs> all right, here's my question. Is it quippy? Like, you know, when Arnold Schwarzenegger shoots a, an alligator and then says your luggage.
1: No, dang, that's, this is the problem of like one, well, one of the many problems of night of the Kickfighters is they're just like, we don't really need a script, right? Like, the script probably just reads, like, guy comes down the stairs, they fight. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> things like that.
0: Insert gun yeah. nunchucks.
1: I think they thought the action sequences would be so awesome that no one would... And also, seemed like they were taking it seriously, which they should not have been. Yeah. It should have definitely been quippy. I love um, a quip. Yeah. Sex Castle, on the other hand, is very aware of the fact that, like... Nunchuck guns are stupid.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, but in an awesomely entertaining in, way.
1: So entertaining. So Sex Castle is like an action guy. You know, he's got an eye patch. And he's like an assassin. But he's he's out. He's left, you know. And now he's like living with a, you know, just like a suburban lady. And he
0: going straight and gets pulled in for one last job?
1: Exactly. Awesome. He has to get revenge, you know, because... <laughs> Things happen that force him to get revenge. And he fights a series of, you know, he fights like an Arnold Schwarzenegger clone. He fights a a Rambo clone. He fights, you know, basically every action movie. He fights that person Mm -hmm. um, in this, in their sex castle (laughs) version of it. Um, It's so ridiculous. It's so over the top. But what I really love about it is, like, you can tell that Kyle Starks, when he made this, loves action movies. And, like, it's a very loving homage. Mm -hmm. It's not, like, a cynical, like, look how stupid this is. Right. It's, like, uh, reveling in how silly it is and fun. And um, reading this was so nice because they don't really make that kind of movie. I mean, they make the closest things probably, like... Fast and the Furious these yeah. days. And even that has this like sort of weird attempt of like, it's about family or right. something. And I'm like, is it? <laughs> How is do the... we need it to be? Yeah. I mean, where the rock is like holding a gun that's meant to be mounted on an airplane and like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> blowing things apart. And I'm like,
0: I mean, did you see the Hobbs and Shaw movie? Yes. That I feel like is kind of like what you're looking for.
1: Yeah, I think every now and then you get like the throwback movie where you're yeah. like, "This feels like a Lethal Weapon script that never got made." Yeah, and that's this is that's how this feels okay. is like this is the perfect uh, action movie that never got made, and uh, luckily Kyle Starks decided to do it for us. He did Excellent. us a tremendous public service. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where they're gonna build a statue of him, but you know,
0: uh, on your desk.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah, on a 3D printer that I own. Yeah,
0: it'll be six inches tall. <laughs> no
1: one, no one agreed to call uh, our new library "Link the Kyle Starks <laughs> Library," <laughs> but you know, whatever.
0: You gave it. You gave it a try. You can't win them all.
1: Yeah,
0: that's the important. It's the thought that counts.
1: I always wonder, like, what do you, what would be the thing that you could foresee, you know, many years from now. And they come to you, and they're like, "We need you to come out of retirement to do X." What What would that be for you? Do you think
0: Um, matching someone with their perfect book?
1: They're like, "We cannot find a book that matches this person," and you're like, "I'm out of the game."
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll give it a try. I might not have it anymore.
1: Yeah, and then like we go into your backstory. Like you recommended a book to a child who hated it so much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To this day, they've never read again.
0: <laughs> I just can't deal with the trauma. Yeah.
1: Ever since that day, I can't recommend a book.
0: <laughs> but somebody kidnapped my family, and I have to do it one more time. Yeah,
1: they force you into it. Yes. First, they came to you. I came to you with an offer. It was a generous offer. Now I have to come to you and force you to do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> this would be a great, a great action movie.
0: We should uh, start making library action movies.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it'd be fun, too, to have, like, you know, um, well, this would be you in retirement, well into retirement. So it'd be like elderly ladies fulfilling these action movie tropes. I like it. I don't see how that's not entertaining.
0: Buns, glasses on chains.
1: Yeah. You know, the the kidnap victim is the cat, of course.
0: Of course. <laughs>
1: like, this would be so good.
0: This is like John Wick, the librarian version.
1: I would You'd be. threaten my cat? I'd be the one person lined up outside the theater because I'd be <laughs> like, this is going to sell out for sure. <laughs> oh,
0: there <laughs> are people there who are like, they can't be serious. I have to know. <laughs> it
1: can't be real, can it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. How about you? Oh, uh, what would.
0: <laughs> what are you coming out of retirement <laughs> oh, to do?
1: Jeez. Hmm. I'll
0: tell you what I always thought you were great at. Okay. <laughs> Getting people to read books that they normally would never be interested in. <laughs> <laughs> Try. Like, you have a way of, like, bringing up these books that no one's ever heard of and that are very bizarre, and you walk away and you're like, I have to read that.
1: So, like, maybe doing publicity, like, this publisher unearthed a bunch of manuscripts for these bizarro books. Yeah. And they're like, we don't know how to market these. We don't know how to sell these. All that information, that knowledge has been lost.
0: We need Peter.
1: There was the great computer <laughs> virus of, you know, 2045 that wiped out all the information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like maybe um they unearth a bunch of bizarro book manuscripts and they're like, We need someone to blurb these books. Mm. Like no one can no one can actually like get through these and read them and <laughs> See,
0: now you're making me question why they're even getting published if no one can bear to read them. <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> when you get when you get too into it, then it's like, eh, whatever. Yeah.
0: Well, I just remember the first time I actually saw you, you were book-talking a book by Kevin Wilson, a book of short stories. Oh,
1: yeah. Tunneling uh, to the center of the earth.
0: Yes, that's it. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that sounds really weird. I have to read it.
1: It's awesome. Yeah, it's like probably the story blowing up on the spot.
0: It's about a guy whose
1: parents spontaneously combusted. And then he gets a job at a Scrabble factory. And the way that it works, which probably is not how it actually works, is the tiles all just like dump from the ceiling. And then they have to, you know, if I'm on peas that day, I have to go find all the peas and put them in my pile. Yeah,
0: I feel like that's definitely not how it works. No.
1: (laughs) I mean, that would be the most bizarre way to run. Anyone who knows how a factory works would be like, guys no this is on monday just make this letter how many scrabble boards do you need to make by the way in a day
0: well and i'm realizing kevin wilson must have a thing about spontaneous combustion because didn't he write nothing to see here yes which is about kids who spontaneously combust
1: yeah 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 and in the in the story he's um the main character so his parents died that way and So he starts to have romantic feelings for this woman. And then um but like whenever, you know, they kiss or something, he starts to feel warm Mm. and he's like worried that he's gonna spontaneously combust if he's like in love with her. If he experiences these emotions. Interesting. Anyway, that's a book talk from yeah, like fifteen years ago. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Don't say we never gave you nothing. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Get twenty one books for us. Actually, probably more than that, because I think we mentioned some others, too.
1: Yeah, probably couldn't help it. No. Nah. All right. Should we go through and Sure. say our things again?
0: Do you want to just go through your whole ten, and then I'll go through my ten?
1: Yeah. Um, okay, I had Tenements, Towers, and Trash by Julia Wurtz. I had Starting Strength Basic Barbell Training by <laughs> Mark laugh. Ripito. <laughs> Sentient by Jeff Lemire. Ten Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now by Jaron Lanier. Nudes by L. Nash, The Paradox Twins by Joshua Chaplinsky, It Came From Ohio by R. L. Stein, Afterlift by Chip Zadarsky, Stillwater, also by Chip Zadarsky, and Sex Castle by Kyle Starks. A
0: great list. That's... A diverse list of lots of different kinds of stuff.
1: There's some range there. <laughs> Oh, this is a thoughtful sort of tour of New York. This is about, uh, well, this is called Sex Castle. <laughs> what and else could I my say? Book about weightlifting. Yeah. <laughs> Why not?
0: All right. My 10 were The Space Between Worlds by Micaiah Johnson, Blacktop Wasteland by S.A. Cosby, You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey by Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar, Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse. Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade, A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik, You Had Me at Ola by Alexis Daria, Take a Hint, Denny Brown by Talia Hibbert, In That Endlessness, Our End by Gemma Files, and Actor Your Age Eve Brown, also by Talia Hibbert. Nice. Yeah, lots of romance, but it's been a bleak year. I need some happily ever afters.
1: Well, I think it's, you know, you got some romance in there and then you got like a story about people who spontaneously clone and then try to kill each other. You know, people so. <laughs>
0: are often surprised that I love romance and horror more than anything else, but I think it makes sense because they're both very much about emotions.
1: They are, that's true. I
0: like an emotional reading experience.
1: Yeah. What uh, what genre does Megan like? Emotion. Yeah. <laughs> Feeling. Does it
0: make me feel something? Sometimes against my own will. I'm there. <laughs>
1: Okay, well thanks everyone for listening. Yeah. It's been a a lovely year.
0: Yeah. Happy holidays, happy new year. We'll yeah. be back for January.
1: Yeah, we will. I don't know what January will be. Yeah. We'll have to see.
0: We'll have to see. We might just have to fill it in with whatever we've got.
1: Shoot. I didn't even think. Well, okay.
0: Well, we have time.
1: We have time. By the t- by the time January gets here, we'll be professional prepared.
0: Oh yeah, that's going to be, be a whole
1: happen. new I hope you don't like the parts of this show that are not professional and prepared because that is gone
0: yeah (laughs) no more tangents for us yeah
1: i think i don't know if that was an audible eye roll but it probably was (laughs) based on the magnitude of it
0: i mean i did feel the like pull into the back of my head so yeah
1: you're like oh there's like stuff back there that i'm worried about damaging (laughs) all right bye everybody
0: bye